What's poppin'? It's Kiyu Hot Takes time. My name is Andrew White. I'm alongside Justin, Kevin, Andrew, and now Peter. Peter is a mayoral candidate of Hamden, and I'm glad to have him with us today. Sports guru, politics guru, and to start things off real quick, so 50 points, 50 Chick-fil-A nuggets after the game, 16 for 25 field goals, 17 for 19 free throws, God-tier Giannis, a new level last night. Questions for the day is CP3 done? We're talking about the MLB, the deadline, what's going on with the new NHL draft. And Peter will join us. He's got an interesting favorite team outside of his other favorite team. So, Peter, how about you introduce yourself and welcome to the show. Thanks, Andrew. Uh, my name is Peter Sear. I'm running for mayor in Hamden. Um, you know, and there's an important election coming up September 14th, but we're not going to be talking about the t- that today. Um, like you said, uh, my favorite team is actually the L.A. Chargers. I'm a huge Chargers fan. And it goes back to the Jets. The Jets, when I was little, they drafted Mike Nugent, a kicker, in the second round. And, you know, I was born to be a Jets fan, like my whole family is. But I, when that happened, I was like, no way, not doing it anymore. I'm, I'm moving on, not drafting a kicker in the second round. So I picked the team with the coolest uniforms, and it's been the Chargers ever since. Yo, that's wow, a- that's, that's shocking. Like, you know, Mike Nugent, he, he went on to be a pretty good kicker yeah. at the end of the day. But, you know... I could feel the anger from that. I love that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Mike Nugent. Yeah, I mean, he did. He was pretty good in college too, but he didn't. He had a rough couple of years on the Jets. I think it was the high expectation. We've had we've had our fair share of uh, thinking the Chargers have the best uniform in the NFL, or at least top tier. So that makes that makes plenty of sense. Um, all right, so we're gonna we're gonna start off this show and just get straight into what happened last night. Today's show will be. A little bit limited we're going to be ending at six o'clock so peter's a popular man he's got to hop off and do something else so um our overall finals thoughts of yesterday the performance that we saw from anyone whether mediocre or fantastic i want to hear from you guys and we'll start with marshall how about it welcome we haven't had you in a couple weeks so uh what'd you think about last night oh it's good to be back boys um i mean it's it's off it's oftentimes really useful to kind of bet on the best player in the series and with Giannis I thought it really was like when push comes to shove this guy just has unstoppable traits and unstoppable moves unlike a player like Joel Embiid where I think it's actually easier to double team him uh, just because he's a little bit more lumbering Giannis in the post with you know maneuvering and just some of those you know what he's doing to Aiton it's just phenomenal I mean 35 and 13 on 62 percent shooting and he actually made his free throws last night. So I think he deserves the title of the best player in the world. I think KD's really close second. Uh, but Giannis, I've been a big big believer in him for a while. So it's nice that he came through. Awesome. Kevin, how are you feeling about it? I know you've you've wanted CP3 to win before, but uh, your thoughts on yesterday? Yeah, I mean, these were both teams that I was happy to see get to this moment. I actually, I mean, I was as much of a Milwaukee hater as I think anybody could have been, where I was just saying they weren't going to win the finals this year. I was wrong, uh, definitely wrong. But Giannis, I think, is the best player in the world. You're talking about his playoff stats being 30, 12, 5, 1, and shooting 56% from the floor. And then he elevated two in the in the finals, which is what you want your best player doing. I think, too, the fact that he did this in Milwaukee, the fact that he didn't go to a team on the coast that has ample resources that can just get the best players, whether it's L.A. or New York, the fact that he stayed in Milwaukee, bet on Milwaukee, bet on himself and won there and really relied on the organization, trusting that they would get the pieces in there to be successful. says a lot about Milwaukee and says a lot about him because we were saying all year, like, ah, you know, is Melton really a star? Is Drew Holiday really a star? And at times they played really well. You know, at some other, other times they didn't. But ultimately he was the one constant and they were able to win. So I think that says a lot about just that team and him and he could be on the start of something special we'll have to see and uh peter is also a knicks fan just like uh, our fellow long islander kevin over here so um i i recognize the knicks loss before but i'm sure you liked that the bucks were beaten down on the nets how did you feel about this series uh i thought it was cool to see i i love it when players like live up to the hype and it's cool to see like Giannis walk into that light and just like lay it down because, um, like, I thought game six was all-time, right? Like, that's going to go down as all-time. He, he took over that series. 
And like the cool thing that he did, you guys all mentioned it, is the worst thing about him is his free throws. I mean, you guys try shooting free throws with hands that size, right? It's a hard thing to do. Um, but he, he looked his weakness in the face and like he went 17 for 19. And, you know, that's that's the sign of a champion. Can you can you get over those humps? Can you get over those things that like make you weak? Um, it was actually reminiscent of not not the finals, um, but LeBron, he made that like crazy game seven shot on Cleveland. And then, you know, everybody used to call LeBron like not clutch, can't win it, like wouldn't do it. And to me, this feels like that was Giannis's game and that, that was Giannis's series. So I'm excited to see what he does for the rest of his career. Totally crazy resume that kid's got. Justin, finish it off. How'd you feel about it? Hey, and I'll be honest, all of us, uh, at least after the 2 we, we thought the Suns were pulling away with this one. So, maybe, Justin, what are your thoughts? I am excited for Drew Holiday and the Bucks to win their title. I like to say Drew Holiday's name first to insult Andrew a bit for his hatred for Drew Holiday. But in all honesty, Giannis went out there, and as Kendrick Lamar says, we're all sitting down and we're being humble now because – we were all counting them out of this series, absolutely, for those who were on the show a couple weeks ago. Um, but overall, great performance of him. Um, kind of sad to see how Booker actually played in that last game. I don't think Booker took as many shots as I wish he would have. I think that was them trying to get Chris Paul back into a rhythm. And I think that threw off the whole thing for taking away from what Booker was doing. I feel like Booker was given a few more attempts there. It could have been a much closer game than what it ended up being. It was a close game throughout, but at the end, if Booker would have had a bit more shots, who knows what would have actually happened in that series. And that's a tiny bit of coaching for Monty Williams, I would say. Um, shout out to him for like going to the Bucks locker room and congratulating the players, by the way. I thought that was really cool. Yeah. Um, but I think there's a bit of coaching there that needed to be improved. I just think they went into that game a bit scared and playing a bit wrong, trying to touch on a bit more cylinders than they needed to. Yeah, Booker missed a pretty wide open three towards the end of that game right there. If he sunk that, it could have been much different, but nothing against him. Great player, of course, and we'll move on to the other guy on that team, CP3. He's never gotten it for himself. Uh, it, was that was that his best chance? I'm going to ask all you guys your thoughts. You might differ, um, or does he have another shot? Right now, already the betting odds for next year are in place. I'm sure Marshall probably saw this already, but the the Suns are the th I think the third or fourth on the list after the Nets, Lakers, and the Bucks. So the fourth um, is it over for CP3? Uh, we'll go to Marshall first. What, what are your thoughts? It's been over for CP3. Um, I'm kind of known as like a CP3 hater, and it's nothing against short people, but I'm just saying like size really does matter when it gets to the NBA Finals. You know, it's four series in a row. You're naturally getting worn down and outside of those players you know cp3 in his prime is a different example and i understand like cp3 i don't think he's overrated from the sense that if you want to teach someone how to play point guard you would put on chris paul's film and it's basically teach shape for how you play the point guard position the problem is that at his current age like there are just physical limitations to that player if you're the best player on a title team versus a player like Giannis. um so it's really just like the standard he's one of the best point guards of our generation but I just think that there always was going to be that kind of limitation for him in the finals. Um, and there was some evidence that they could overcome it this year because it really wasn't just a CP3 dominant team. You know, you had the supplementary scoring from Booker and then what Aiton was really bringing along. But uh, if you look at the top 15 players of all time, um, I believe Steph Curry is like, in terms of like who will be the top 15, Steph is probably going to be the only player under 6-3 on that list. Um, it's just hard. I mean, you're playing a game amongst Giants, um, and there's just, like, certain things that, like, a LeBron, a KD, a Giannis, a Hakeem, you know, a Shaq, those guys can just do different things. Sure, sure. And we'll, we'll swing the, the direction of this one. Justin, can CP3 uh, win a finals before he's he's goes back to State Farm? You know, we're talking about how the Suns' betting odds are fourth favorite right now and the Lakers are above them. There is a ton of chatter already that Chris Paul might be going to the Lakers. Like, it is an actual conversation to be had. And it's an interesting dynamic to add to the Lakers, too. I think Marshall hits nail on the head. There is still limitations with Chris Paul regardless. But I'm wondering what kind of difference we see from him on a team like the Lakers as opposed to the Suns. I think the Lakers actually probably know Chris Paul's strength and weaknesses best. The way that Chris Paul played against the Lakers and basically whenever the Lakers were healthy during the regular season, he played atrociously. 
they have a very good idea of how Chris Paul works out there. And I feel like having him on a team that's already has other pieces and Chris Paul doesn't have to take on such a major role like he did in the Suns this season, I think could only help his game at this point and as well as get him some time where he doesn't always have to be on the court as much as he was in this series for the Suns. And I, I think that could be a huge benefit to him. So do I say he's out of the running yet? No. Do I think he's going to do it with the Suns, though? I highly doubt it. Sure. And I think any player uh, being added to LeBron and Davis's uh, court is probably in a more beneficial situation than they were previously. Um, Peter, your thoughts on CP3? Will ever win a finals? Uh, no, I don't think so. I think I, I, I also agree with Justin. I don't think it's a given that he comes back to the Suns. You know, I think he's, he's very actively probably looking somewhere else. Um, so we'll see what happens. But I think it's so hard to win a finals. He was up 2-0. He's, he's aging. It's going to be too hard, I think. It's an uphill climb for him. So I'm going to say no. All right, Kevin, you going to give give your man some love, or is it is it over for this guy? Yeah, this, this guy's been my man. Um, the Lakers are an interesting pick because that was speculation, obviously, like when he was with the Hornets, like the famous Laker trade, like him teaming up with Kobe and then got vetoed by Stern. That, so there's that legacy of like a full circle type of thing. I think he does win a finals, not obviously as like the guy, because even in the finals we saw there was limited blow by ability. In two of the six games, he had no free throw attempts. And in one other one, he only had one free throw attempt. So there's limited ability for him to blow by people now. He can still get in the mid-range role and he can still set people up. As a secondary role, he'd be really good. I could see him going to a team like the Clippers, honestly, again or even the Nuggets. I, like, I think those teams would be really beneficial if they had someone like Chris Paul either coming off the bench or starting in limited minutes. Um, he could come back to Phoenix, but I think he's probably looking at another team in the Western Conference because I think there's a good chance that Denver or the Clippers or maybe the Lakers is like a secondary team, but one of those first two teams could really be contending next year. Sure. All right, and we're going to swing it to the Knicks in the offseason so kind of away from those teams congratulations to the bucks and Giannis, of course uh well well done well played come back down from 2-0 and basically sweep so um is damian lillard a worthy addition for the new york knicks now or should they be considering saving cap space and pursuing a guy like zach levine or bradley beal in the 2022 free agency class so this is kind of like an opinion slash what's actually a good move so i'll ask the the new york fans first about maybe your own opinion or what they should do you know sometimes heart is worse than mind but uh peter you can go first what are your, what are your thoughts on damien on your squad yeah so i love dame dalla um don't get me wrong uh but i really think he's a west coast guy he, he's from oakland you know he's in portland i i really think it would be hard hard sell for him to come to the east coast um, and not to mention how much we'd have to give up to get him, how much we'd have to work. Um, and, and that sort of goes the same for Zach Levine and Bradley Beal. I think like these aging kind of middle middling uh, superstar max guys, we should avoid because that's what we did with Carmelo Anthony. Um, I don't know if you guys remember this, but we traded our whole young roster for um, to the Nuggets for Carmelo Anthony. And we had a, we had a good core, you know, and we, we kind of blew it just for one superstar. Um, so I actually think it's valuable to keep cap space open because there's a lot of opportunities that come up. So like I wouldn't want to blow it on someone like Zach Levine or Bradley Beal because like they'd be a good addition, sure. But like we want a low cap space, long term investment, right? That's sort of like what what I'm looking for. And I wouldn't want them to like trade uh, quickly, you know, someone someone that's good and young and promising just for this like maybe we get one game farther right like I, I think we need to build through the draft and keep our cap space open sure that's a that's a reasonable way to think about it for sure um probably maybe even smart too uh kevin we'll see are you more of the emotional one that wants lillard or what are your thoughts no i, I think peter nailed everything 100 percent. the problem with the knicks isn't the market or even really that they've been a bad team I think for a long time it's that they're very impulsive historically when it's come to management they've been the the shiny watch in the store they have to have it they have to grab it 
they can't just wait for the Snickers. They have to take, you know, the, the cream apple pie or whatever it is. Like they have to take the shine, the biggest thing, the shiniest thing, whatever it is. I mean, that was, there's Dwayne Wade has a story of like, he's thinking about like the Knicks with like LeBron. He's like, yeah, you know, you want to go to the Knicks? He's like, yeah, why not? You know, we'll be in New York, whatever there's clubs, whatever. And they go to the meeting and the meeting was an absolute disaster. And then they're just kind of looking at each other like, uh, you want to call Pat Riley? You, you want to <laughs> you want to go to South Beach instead? And that's kind of that's kind of in the history of the Knicks is the what you show free agents and what you show stars is hey, being patient, knowing that you're not going to win the next couple of years, but being patient, building over the long haul, building over a decade or so. That's how you get a core. That's how you get people that want to come to your team. That's how you, you convince people to go to a place like Brooklyn. That's how you get people to go to a place even like the Lakers. Genie bus comes in, stable ownership now, people go back to the Lakers. So that's what you have to do. It's like a business. You have to convince people that you're stable ownership. If you know, you're going all over the place just buying whatever and making bad investments and people aren't gonna want to invest in your business. All right. I would say it's like a town. That's true, too. That's true, too. (laughs) Peter for mayor. Um, Yeah. (laughs) Um, All right, we'll ask the uh, the non-Knicks fans real quick. Marshall, do you think they should should make that move or or hold some some cap space? In a vacuum, they should, but because Dame is like, his approval rating is so high across the league, who wouldn't want Dame? Like, his price is going to be so high that you realistically can't build around him um, especially like with what the Knicks already have, like what package could you possibly offer that would get Dame out of Portland? And Peter brings up a great point. We don't often talk about these athletes in terms of like, are they a West Coast guy? Are they an East Coast guy? Um, Dame definitely like is a West Coast guy, not just because he's from there. If you if you really like look into like who Dame is as a person, I don't think he would fit quite as well um, in Madison Square Garden as he as he would as he currently fits in in portland portland's his town um if i'm portland i'm it's hard for portland because they also don't really have a ton of assets either but there's they're literally just like one piece away like if you could get a small forward like a decent small forward that team could be you know competitive you get a two-way player um maybe you call up the clippers and see what uh what they're gonna be doing with paul george because he would actually be the perfect player for them in terms of you know really building out their backcourt um but it's just the fact that like you're going after the supermodel that everyone thinks is hot like everyone thinks game is hot so realistically you should go for someone else sure sure i mean they could always just offer kevin a deal and uh kevin will just take yeah, we, over yeah. I, mean, I mean kevin's above dame but after kevin right right got it <laughs> all, right. all right justin finish us off uh should they make this move I would say probably not. I think Peter's right. Damian Lillard is probably going to be a West Coast kind of guy. I think he wants to work it out with the Trailblazers. I don't think he's as out as some of the other professional athletes in the league are with their own teams. So I think it's probably the right move to just kind of stay put and wait and see. Maybe you go into the season thinking at the trade deadline, if we're in a decent situation to make a move, maybe someone like Levine, who may not have as good of a year as he did this year, I would say he probably won't. Is kind of down. He's going to be a bit cheaper to sell at that point, especially in the last year of his contract. And you're able to make a bit of a push to the point where the Knicks become a more desirable location. And I think that's something that's kind of been an issue that has happened because of the fact that they didn't get that number one overall pick for Zion, is that no one has the desire to really go to the Knicks right now. And I think competing a bit harder this season and trying to show that they want to win might actually help them in the long run get some of those free agents come 2022. Definitely. And Zion wants to go back there. It, it seems pretty pretty evident. Uh, but we'll see if that ends up happening. And good segue for guys who really want to leave their team. So now we're moving to the NFL and Aaron Rodgers, another State Farm agent who doesn't want to be a part of his team. Uh, first of all, now that we're starting football, just wanted to congratulate Marshall on our YouTube as well as our podcast. This man, if I could say it, is on a uh, Zon. Can I say it? Yeah, so he's on some uh, semi-pro football team, and recently he was actually uh, play-calling the offense for the team that he was on. So congratulations, Marsh, and uh, that's all I wanted to say. So All the all the Madden games with Justin have uh, prepared me for this moment, so I appreciate it, guys. Yeah, yeah. Just don't chuck your clipboard at the ground. <laughs> <laughs> 
Right, right. Um, okay, so now on to Aaron Rodgers. So he was apparently offered a two-year extension, which would make it a five-year contract in total. Uh, that would have him be the highest paid QB in the league. But he, again, apparently declined this. Um, is this a smart move to aim for a better team, or is now he just kind of being ridiculous here? Is, is This has been a long saga. We've talked about it earlier in the summer, but now it's getting, I mean, it's pretty wild. They even talked about in that golf match with Tom Brady. Even Tom Brady was saying he doesn't know if Aaron's going to play. And, I mean, they're starting in, in a month. It's already preseason. So what are you guys' thoughts? We'll go to Justin first. Um, should he just be taking this deal, or what, what's, what's going on? I, I think he's done and it's weird because i almost feel like he might even show up to training camp just to kind of be like i'm a i'm going to be here and show that i still have skill to go somewhere else but i I just don't see him playing for green bay anymore the fact that he didn't take this deal he didn't take the money shows that it's not about money by any means which is what most holdouts are about it's about money the fact that he is this passionate about how green bay has managed themselves shows that he wants out I just don't know if it's going to happen by week one. I I don't know what Green Bay is thinking at this point, what's going through their head, but I feel like the further and further they push this, the less value Aaron Rodgers is going to have because people are going to realize, they're like, oh, it's week one and Jordan Love's on the field. Aaron Rodgers might still be amazing, but at this point, Green Bay has lost all of their chips because now they're being forced to play. Right now, they still have a bit concealed here where it can be like, oh, maybe Aaron Rodgers is going to come out of nowhere. And I think by Rodgers going out there and playing during training camp, they'll actually raise his stock a tiny bit and give Green Bay a bit more chips to be like, is he going to play? Is he not? He's really not, probably. But by doing so, that'll make Rodgers' trade value higher, which will make it more likely for Green Bay to trade him, which makes Rodgers happy. So I think if they work together a tiny bit, I think everyone could be a happy partner by that. All right, cool, cool. Peter, do you also think uh, he's out of there, and is that uh, a smart move for the reigning MVP? You know, I go back and forth on this one. Um, and what I sort of came to is that he's probably gone if he didn't take the money. Because I, I think, you know, he, he hosted Jeopardy. He's got this, like, actress girlfriend now. I think he's, like, a little distracted. And, like, he, you know, I, I don't know where he wants to go. But he, it's not about money for him anymore, right? Like, he could probably make more money in a bigger market from endorsements and just being Aaron Rodgers. So, like you have to take that into the equation now because you could probably make just as much a salary from just that alone, right? Depending on which city you're in. So I think he's gone, but I also think it signals that Jordan Love isn't very good because they they seem to be desperate. Um, and, and the Packers are kind of in a bad situation here and Aaron gets to sort of control it, I think. That's an interesting point. I didn't actually think of it in that sense. Huh. Um, all right, Marshall, what are, what are your thoughts? Is he being silly or what? I agree with Peter. I mean, like, I think all signs point to Jordan Love not being very good. And the thing with Jordan when he was coming out was, I mean, I personally kind of thought that there was, on a lot of plays, he just kind of looked like he was blind. Like, he he wouldn't see, like, underneath defenders. Like, in terms of the picks that he throws, it was a little Jameis-esque, but, like, without a certain aspect of Jameis. Um, So I was a little concerned from him, but I saw definitely, like, the potential. I think a lot of people were kind of in that boat. Um but if he's really not progressing at the rate that you want him to, there's just a chance that he might not be that good, in which case Green Bay doesn't have a ton of leverage. I think that Rodgers, when you have all the money in the world, I think the thing that you're probably looking for is status and then like who you're surrounded by. Like what, what's your work environment? He clearly doesn't like this Gutenkus uh, guy, um, understandably so, because I, it's more than just the, the Jordan Love pick. I think a lot of the frustration is, okay, two straight NFC championship games. They're realistic. Like, we say this, like, as such a cliche. Oh, they're one piece away. Green Bay literally probably was one piece away last year. And they spent it on a backup quarterback who gave them absolutely zero value to their roster. And Rodgers knows it. And the guy that he thinks he's better than, Tom, um, who we outplayed in the NFC title game, like, he lost to him. Like on his own on his home field, which I believe has to be absolutely miserable, given their you know career trajectories and like kind of what they've both been kind of dealing with their career. And for Rodgers, I just think that knowing that they were one piece away, 
and Green Bay for two straight drafts has refused to pull the trigger on a player who realistically would probably help them get over the hump. I think that's just where the, like, the frustration, like the boiling hatred from Rodgers just like kind of comes from. Um, so I think he's actually going to stay on Green Bay because I think it's really hard to move him, his contract, and given his age, it's really hard to like pinpoint the value for him. But I think that something upstairs, like with their GM and with whoever else he has a problem with, like I, I think he's going to almost like hold out to the season, call their bluff and say, like, I know you can't start Jordan Love. Like This guy's not good enough. He's not me. Sure, sure. So playing playing poker on their own on their own field. Love that. Good analogy. Uh, Kevin, uh, you can finish it off with Rodgers. Yeah, I think he's out because I think this all stems from a disconnect between um, the new Packers GM and Rodgers. It seems like Rodgers wants either more wide receivers or defensive players or something else that, um, you know, like stopping the run, something, again, that could have been helpful in the San Fran game in the NFC Championship. Could not stop the run at all. Um, but at the same time, I think there's a disconnect with personnel in terms of who maybe Rodgers wants on the team or to draft versus what the Packers GM wants. But I also think it's telling like the fact that this leaked because again, what I was kind of getting on was I was more in Rodgers camp. I was like, why aren't they trying to play ball with Aaron Rodgers, your Hall of Fame quarterback? This doesn't make any sense. They offered him a two-year extension. He didn't take it. Now it looks like he doesn't really want to play ball with them. So... I think they leak that also as a way to cushion if they trade him. Because if you move Aaron Rodgers, a lot of people in Green Bay are going to be saying, well, damn sure better have a Hall of Famer behind him if you're going to move on from him. You know, luckily you got it right with Brett Favre. But if you don't have a Hall of Famer behind Aaron Rodgers, we're going to be very annoyed. Sure. So I think it's pushing the blow. Um, really, they, should, they need each other because Green Bay is one of the best organizations when it, when it comes to developing O-line talent. They routinely have one of the best offensive lines in football. It doesn't get talked about as much because they're not like the tier of like what the Steelers or the Cowboys maybe have been and like what we've been watching in football, but they've routinely been very good. They haven't had a quarterback like him other than like Brett Favre, and for a while they were on a real dry spell in terms of having franchise quarterbacks from like, you know, uh, the Bart Starr era, but it's like really they're meant for each other he's probably not going to go to a situation where he's going to have as good of an organization they are probably not going to have a quarterback as good as him for quite some time probably it's really hard to get a quarterback of his quality so it should work out but I really have my doubts with the fact that everything's leaking and the fact that it seems like both sides are trying to one up the other in this PR battle to kind of win over the hearts and minds of the fans I just don't know what Rogers sees going anywhere else. I mean, Denver's been a popular yeah. choice. You're telling me he's going to go play against the Chargers twice a year and Justin Herbert and Patrick Mahomes twice a year, yeah. and he's going to make the playoffs easily? Like, that just sounds like a horrible time. You talk about maybe some random team like Houston because they don't have a real quarterback situation going on right now. Like, you're still playing in the AFC. I feel that Aaron Rodgers has a much stronger path to the Super Bowl through the NFC than through the AFC. I think that's yeah. why Brady got out and went to the NFC was because that's an easier path to make it to that point. And when you get to the Super Bowl, it's one game at the end of the day. Setting yourself up for success throughout is what's important to keep yourself healthy enough and in a strong enough situation to get there. I just feel like that this is his best situation, no matter how his weapons have turned out. This really seems like where he should be. I think he's over-complaining, honestly. And maybe we see like a one wide receiver trade. They get some veteran wide receiver or something or some great other player that just makes Rodgers feel better about himself and makes him play. That's what I would expect to see if Rodgers ends up starting week one, is that there is some mid to high level wide receiver coming from some other team that all of a sudden pushes the Packers and Aaron Rodgers to be like, okay, this is something we can work with. But I don't even know who that wide receiver is. I'll also say, um, I think a big thing that made him really mad is they let their all pro center go, uh, Lindsley, who's now on the Chargers. Um, so, you know, I mean, I think they've had a relationship for a really long time. He's one of the, he's probably one of the best centers in the league. He's now the highest paid center in the league. So I, I guarantee you that's part of the frustration there with the relationship with the organization. And Bulaga now going yeah, to the Chargers yeah. last year, <laughs> going to the Chargers in 2022. I mean, the Chargers have built that great offensive line that we've been talking about from the Packers. So yeah. 
it, it's crazy to see all that happen too. He's missing a lot of pieces that he truly loved having there. Yeah. All right, I'm gonna I'm gonna get straight to the the Rams and Cam Akers, and I want to just send this straight to Justin first. Um, everybody else can can maybe give a little touch if they want, but I know this one's kind of Justin's baby, so. Justin loves Cam Akers, for anybody who's confused. Uh, I was expecting some great things from him last year towards the end of the season. He was delivering towards the end. And now this year, I know he was a, a big watch list for Justin on some of his blogs as well. But now he is out with a torn Achilles. Um, so, Justin, how does this make the, the Rams organization as they just got a, a new huge piece in Matt Stafford? Um, are they in a similar spot, or do you have them losing a couple games now because of this? It's a very interesting situation in a Sean McVay all sense because I feel like he always goes to the three wide receiver set anyways, so a running back might not be as big of an issue, but in the past he's had very successful running backs like Todd Gurley and also the three running back head they had this past season. Um, Daryl Henderson is still there. I don't know if I consider him a three-down back. I think he could be, but he's definitely close to the receiving end of a running back. I wouldn't be surprised if they try to bring in someone else, possibly a reunite with Todd Gurley. I don't think so because the organization did not treat him well the way out the door. Um, maybe Le'Veon Bell even. He's still sitting on the free agency market, and he will surely find a team eventually. Um, for me, I think I talked about on my Chubacabra Sports Fantasy Football blog. Check it out online, everybody. I talked about how Matthew Stafford was a bit of a bust for me um, this upcoming season. This almost changes my depiction of him. I almost think the Rams are going to have to pass it a ton now to fill in for that to Robert Woods, Cooper Cup, Van Jefferson, um, Deshaun Jackson's there, which many people don't remember either. Um, it, they're going to have to throw more. I, that's just how it's going to be. And I think Daryl Henderson even is going to be catching the ball more because of this now. So does it change from a balanced offense to a pass-first vertical offense? Quite possibly. Um, it makes it very interesting. But I'm interested to see if the Rams think Daryl Henderson is their guy or if they feel like they need to look for someone else. I feel like they're going to look for someone else just because they've never been a really one running back team besides when Gurley was there. So we'll see how McVay wants to play it. Sure, sure. And uh, th thank you for the feature, Justin. Just had to had to ask you that. Um, I'm going to go to Peter next about um, the Chargers, but if you want to touch on Cam Akers, you can as well. But no big deal if, if not. Um, so the outlook on the Chargers for next season, uh, given their improved offensive line, but only little changes otherwise. Obviously a phenomenal QB after his rookie season. And you are the Chargers fan. Uh, first of all, tell everybody um, again how you kind of are a Chargers fan. I know you said the, the colors, but maybe it was something else too. And uh, what are your thoughts on this team moving forward? Yeah, so I became a Chargers fan because my whole family were Jets fans and I was born into it. I didn't choose that life. Um, and I think I was in eighth grade or seventh grade when they drafted Mike Nugent in the second round, a kicker. And they had, you know, one of the top top draft picks, total waste of a pick, typical Jets, Radio City Music Hall, everybody booing. Um, you know, and that was it for me. I was done. I hang, hung it up there. Um, I, I chose the Chargers, one, because they have the coolest uniforms, but also they're, they're actually, like, the most exciting team to watch. Every single game they have is literally within two points, like, no matter who they're playing. It, it makes no sense at all, but that's just who the Chargers are, and it doesn't matter how good their team is. They're, they're perpetually, like, 8-8, eight and 9-7, eight, and seven, um, but I guess it's, like, 10-7 and seven now because of the new game. So, so on, on, the, on the team... I think we're going to go 10 and 7. I think we're going to make the playoffs. Um, and let me make my case. So we have an excellent pass rush. Um, it's going to sort of force a lot of turnovers. Bosa, we lost Melvin Ingram, but we're just going to move one of our linebackers, Nuosu, right to the end. Um, he's, you know, young guy, super fast, speed rusher. Um, and then Tillery and Jones are kind of emerging on the line. Love them. So the, the, the two holes we have are cornerback and guard. Um, so last year we had a hole because Casey Hayward kind of fell off. He was an all pro cornerback for years for us. And then he'd like turned 31, just kind of lost a step. Um, but we drafted Asante Samuel Jr. out of Florida State. Really good player. Super excited about him. He's a second round sleeper, I think. So we'll see how he works out. And then we obviously get Derwin James back. One of the most dynamic people in the backfield, basically a linebacker at safety. Um, and with Brandon Staley, he's going to bring the best out of those guys. I'm really excited about that. 
they play like a zone so you don't need as much man corners so that hole gets a little covered up with the Staley offense or defense and then on the offensive side Hollywood Herbert absolutely excited about him he's going to be I think he's a top five quarterback in the league just nothing nothing bad to say about him but we do have one hole which is on guard we got we have Balaga if he stays healthy that'll be great uh feeler we just signed from the Steelers and we have Lindsley who's amazing player had a good career um the guard spot is going to be a Bushi who played like eight games on the Lions we'll see how he does um and then Slater obviously but I mean if one of those guys gets hurt we're we're gonna be we're gonna be pulling some up from from the rookie squad. So depth is a problem there. Um, we need a new another guard, but like I'm super excited about the team. I think we're gonna surprise a lot of people. Ten and seven in the playoffs. All right, you heard you heard it here first. We're gonna we're gonna mark that down. I will say uh, Andrew Marshall uh, loved Slater coming out of the draft. Actually, that was his uh, the favorite offensive lineman. So. Uh, I know he also loves James. So, Marshall, how do you feel about this this uh, up-and-coming Chargers team? The guard spot is very interesting. Um, I think, like, you could move people around. It depends what you want to do with the run scheme. But with Herbert and what he could do in terms of vertical shots, um, I always love Mike Williams because um, I call him, like, the – like I, he's kind of like a bailout option. He'll make the catch that no one else can make. And I just think that that guy is just – what he does is very valuable, even though it goes under the radar. It's not really like a fantasy skill, but that guy can make a play on third and 12 that, you know, a few other guys can't. And every receiver that I talk to, every person who really knows receivers, um, they all like say like unanimously, like Keenan Allen is the best route runner in the league. Um, and he's probably been slept on for a while just because he's not that fast and he's not that flashy. Uh, but that guy is, you know, he's legit. Like everyone knows it. And the Chargers obviously paid him too. Um, I'm really excited to see Derwin back because I, I think Derwin's probably the best overall safety in the league when he's healthy, and he just hasn't been healthy lately. But that guy's total freak, um, one of the freakier guys in the league. So obviously we know what we're getting from Bosa. And I think Kenneth Murray can be really good too. He was a guy two years ago I, I liked a lot too. Um, just needs some more reps, but that guy's a freaky, freaky athlete. So I actually agree with you. I, th- I think you guys are going to make the playoffs. Oh, love that, love that. Good, good positive energy. Uh, we'll go to we'll go to Kevin. Your thoughts on the Chargers, and then Justin will finish it off. Yeah, I uh, I see the Chargers making the playoffs too. I see it's so weird with the seventeen games now, but I think ten and seven is probably an accurate reflection. They've really upgraded the O line. They've always had really good receivers for the most part. Um, you know, Melvin Ingram leaving isn't great, but just like. Again, they have depth on the D-line a little bit. Again, maybe addressing corners, but I think there's so much that Justin Herbert makes up for it, though. I think he's a top-10 quarterback talent. And now, seemingly, the Chargers, who, I I mean, are just... It's weird saying this about the Chargers, but the Chargers, when they moved to L.A., they kind of became almost very irrelevant, at least in the L.A. market from where they were in San Diego being a very relevant market for them. And then they went to LA and they were kind of like playing second fiddle in Los Angeles, where you even kind of wonder if they really even wanted the Rams. And, you know, I just hope he wins out there because it would just stink if he's just on a team for like 10 or 15 years that just doesn't win and just the league doesn't care about. And he's, you know, breaking a bunch of records. Sure. Sure. Justin finished off chargers. You know, I, I think um, Peter might have stolen my spreadsheet. I have 10 and 7 here for the Chargers on a spreadsheet I made two months ago. <laughs> I have them as the number five seed going into the playoffs and winning a playoff game over the Colts even. So that's about where I have them right now. Um, I, I love the Justin Herbert take that he's top five in the league. I think that a lot of people underrate him just because it's a small sample size of one season. I have him at number six right now. So, you know, you, you had a good talk, though. Have you maybe try to push him to that top five? I think it's a flip between him and Prescott based on how Prescott comes back right now. Um, but I agree with everything. I think Austin Eckler is also in for a really good year with that offensive line. I, he might be the leading rusher, to be completely honest with you, on a team where Justin Herbert passes for a ton of yards, too. That offense could be number one in the league over the Chiefs, even, I think. There's just a lot of explosiveness on both sides of the ball there that really make up for it. And 
we say Derwin James is the best safety in the league. I think he might be defensive player of the year, like a hands down defensive player of the year. That guy, his rookie season was like an explosion out of nowhere. He's just had so many injuries lately that it's been hard to really have him in like that kind of mindset. But I'm always all in on Derwin James. I really think he might be the best defensive player in the league. I just don't think he's been on the field enough for everyone to realize his name. The good, the good thing about Derwin and his injuries, though, they're not like repetitive injuries. He had like a, a floating bone in his foot that they just went in and took out from his like Florida State days. Um, he like kept it in to play the national championship game. Kind of a crazy story. So like, like I, I think you're right. Like he's going to have a great year. He's just got to stay on the field. That, that hurt my foot thinking about that actually um so uh i'm gonna i'm gonna skip a question here just so we get um get in um some some good topics before before six um so should we we mentioned this a little bit before a couple series ago but should the yankees now we're in the mlb time should the yankees be buyers or sellers in this deadline so uh, there's actually this is the first time in a while there are th- so there are three Yankee fans in this panel It's me Kevin and Peter uh, Normally we all have different teams for almost every other sport in this in this club, which is cool got a big variety But for the Yanks buyers or sellers they've blew it about three weeks ago for a long time starting with the Red Sox and Lately they've been winning a few more games, but still not looking too hot uh, We'll ask the Yankees fans first and then the other guys, I know Marshall loves baseball so much. Um, so we'll, we'll go to Kevin first. Um, give your quick quick case. Do you think buy or sell? This is the biggest Yankees flop of the season. Definitely in my life and maybe decades. <laughs> I mean, the, the hype going into it, the presumptive World Series favorite, the without a doubt AL East champ. Like, who cares if Tampa beat you last year? The presumptive AL East champ, the presumptive World Series champ, the almighty Yankees are coming back and taking the crown. Anything but that happened. Everything but that happened. So they're not going to rebuild because with their payrolls and their resources, they can kind of afford to rebuild on the fly. But even for them, their contract commitments are becoming just way too much, I think. Um, me personally, I think they should have traded Voight last year when the when the price was high and moved people around to some degree. I, like I think having Glaber at short was not a good idea. I mean, you have a home run dependent team that can't even rely off of the right field, the, the short right field porch anymore, because they built such a, I don't, I don't even know, they just built such a righty dominant lineup that you can't even hit to the right porch anymore. Um, they can't hit with runners on base. They can't hit with runners off base. They can't field. They can't steal bases. They can't pitch. They can't, I mean, everything that you can imagine why they're not a good baseball team, they essentially aren't a good baseball team. The only way they score runs is with home runs now. They should they should be looking to trade their bullpen arms because that's the one strength they have. You could trade guys like Brennan, trade guys like Chapman who were expensive, or costing you like $13 million a year. You trade those guys, you get the cap down, and then you get prospects for it in return. You, you get guys who maybe they're doubling, maybe they're single, or maybe they're even more highly valued. You get a team desperate, and you get prospects in. It makes no sense why you're thinking buying because you get Trevor Story, whoever it is, they're not winning the World Series. If you don't get prospects, you're failing. Very, very true. It's very true. Uh, Peter? Yeah, so I, I'm with you. Uh, sell, 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 sell everything. Uh, I've been I've been screaming this from the rooftop. we got to sell Sanchez. we got to sell Hicks. we got to sell Gardner. we got to sell Voight. we got to sell Urshela. All of them, they're, again, home run dependent people that are not hitting home runs. I mean, Gardner, a little bit different. I just have general distaste for Gardner Thank for you. a very long time. I've Thank been... you. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I think, and then and then our pitching situation got kind of blown up at the beginning of the season with Erman in the domestic violence thing, and then Severino uh, with his uh, Tommy John. So you can't predict those things, but it's a good time to sell, right? That means, like, like we can move on from some of these. I, I really think, like, Sanchez, for me, don't like him at all. I know he's having like a, a solid year. I think he's at a high. He's overpaid. Sell him. I know there's no cap in baseball, but like this is this payroll is ridiculous, right? Like we clearly like they're looking at this as business expenses now. Um, so we got to trim the fat a little. Uh, there's still a lot of good stuff there. You know, um, like LeMayhew, love him. I think Glaber will be fine. It's just a bad year. Um, and then 
Judge is obviously an absolute freak, but we need pitchers. Sell these people for pitchers. Like we spend all the money in the world on home run, run hitters. Like why don't we just get three Garrett Coles? Like like why can't we just like like this is what we do? We buy players. Like we need to buy starting pitchers, and we haven't done it for years. It drives me wild. Um, but sell, sell, sell. This team is done. We're not making the playoffs. We got to move on. I, I agree. The pitchers thing is oh, oh, so frustrating. It's very frustrating. Um, Justin, Mr. Mr. Phillies fan, uh, definitely a distaste for the Yanks, but what should they be doing in your eyes? Well, first of all, they should be trying to lose tonight. That would be really helpful for me right now. I'm trying to beat the Mets here. Um, but in all honesty, I'm going to say the Yanks buy, mainly because they're four games out of the wild card right now, which I think is like, no worries, no doubt about it, that they can easily make that. They have Voight on the IL right now. Hopefully he's going to be back kind of soon. I know it's 10-day IL, but I know his injury is a bit up in the air on when exactly he's coming back. I also think when they trade for um, Tim LaCastro, who's currently on the IL, that guy is major in stolen bases. He's going to add some extra offense to get around the bases. And I think that they get Gliber back to second base. I think Gliber's a bit of his head right now because he's playing short. That's such a prominent role on the defense to kind of manage from there that I think it's a bit in his head a bit. So I think moving him back to second at some point here around the trade deadline could be really helpful. And then bringing in someone like Trevor Story who can also steal his fair share of bases. He's not having a miraculous season like he's had in the past, but having him come in and play shortstop I think can give the Yankees an extra boost going around the bases and trying to have players make a bit of their own run production in that sense. I think the Yankees do need a bit more of a pitching push, and I just don't think there's any way to get that very easily going to the offseason without just trading players for it. So I think the Yankees shouldn't be selling. I think Odor probably just shouldn't be in the starting lineup at this point. I agree Gary Sanchez is definitely at his peak right now, but... I think it's too hard to get rid of him, especially since I know um, the Yanks' other catcher is currently away. Um, so I think they kind of got to go with what they got and give it a shot. I don't think four games is enough to leave them out of it. And if they can make the postseason, um, there's no telling what the Yankees could do just with getting a single wild card game, what kind of momentum that could create. But uh, great pitching matchup tonight between us, Spencer Howard and Asher Wadjet. Kowski, who hasn't played since last season. Well, I'm absolutely looking forward to it. It's it's World Series Game One right here. I promise you that. Uh, Marshall, would you would you like to give a take? You you normally have something pretty uh, uh, funny to to say or enlightening. Yeah, so I'm always the guy who kind of comes in for uh, baseball, the totally uninformed baseball take because I don't watch baseball anymore. But I used to watch a lot, um, and so I'll kind of come in with my takes. Brett Gardner was a player that, when I played fantasy baseball in sixth grade, was a was a player on my team, and he is he has over 200 at bats for this team, and he's batting below the Mendoza line. He's batting 191. That's absolutely terrible. The one thing that I don't understand is how he has a positive WAR. Like, how is a player with like a he's slugging like 300, he's batting below 200. Like, there's nothing that he's doing, like, fielding-wise that is, like, super exceptional. How does that player have a positive war? Like, that guy is, like, clearly detrimental for your lineup. You already have a bunch of, like, you're basically playing this new-age baseball where you have, like, Judge and Stanton, and it's the strikeout kings, but it's also the home run kings. The problem with that is you have, like, these weird, like, lulls that will go through your lineup where you're just not getting hits, you're not getting any production, no one's really on base. Um, and you're not really like stressing pitchers out in, in terms of like really making them work consistently over the course of a game, um, which is like good and bad, but I think bad for the Yankees because it's like it creates this like huge high variance um, where you might have 10 runs one game, but you might have won the next. Um, and obviously, like their overall like point differential on the season is only plus nine, uh, which for a team with this talent and kind of the direction that they're going is a, is a little bit underwhelming. Sure, sure. All right, uh, two more quick MLB questions and then an Olympics one to end off the show. We get a little info from Peter on that end. So real quick, no explanation. You're updated. Who's going to be in the World Series and who's going to win? Uh, that is the question of the day for me. I'm still going to keep it with the Padres. I've had it for a while. Just kind of love the love the squad there. I desperately want to say the Angels for some reason for the AL, but it's not. It's just not going to happen. And I, I just, religiously speaking, can't say the Red Sox. Um, so I'm just going to say the Yankees are going to, they're going to win the wild card game and they'll, they'll be in the world series, but they're going to lose. And, uh, 
I think the Padres are going to take it all this year. That's my take. Uh, Justin, your updated take. Um, I, I can talk about the Yankees all I want in the wild card potential, and I think they very well might do it, but I'm going to stick with what I said at the beginning of the season. Dodgers over the sleeper in the Blue Jays. I really think the Blue Jays are still a very interesting team and could be another huge buyer at the trade deadline if they bring in someone like Joey Gallo for the outfield. Sure. Kevin, who's in the World Series? Who wins? I think I had White Sox, Padres. I think I said at one point. I like the White Sox. Um, maybe I went to the Dodgers. I'm not sure. If I had the Dodgers, I, think I don't have the Dodgers now. I actually really like the Giants at this point. I think with their pitching and actually some of the fact that their older guys are producing an offense, I like the Giants. And, ooh, for the AL team, uh, I like Tampa Bay. I honestly still like Tampa Bay. I think Wanda Franco being up helps a lot. I think they could trade for a rental guy like Trevor Story potentially and put some more pop in that lineup and then just let him walk in free agency if they feel like they can just, you know, fleece Colorado for like a couple single-A guys or something then maybe that's something you do. But I still like Tampa Bay. If Glasnow was healthy, I think they would really actually be at the top of the AL East right now. But if he comes back, look out maybe. Sure. Peter, World Series. So I got Dodgers and Rays, and I got the Dodgers running it back. Nice. Um, and I don't think the Yankees make the playoffs. That's my that's my hot take. That's uh, very fair, very fair. Uh, Marshall, for you. Uh, Dodgers over Astros. I, I think they get the, the best of the Astros this time around. Yeah. Um, I will have to say, the player that I just love from afar is Vlad Guerrero Jr. Partially because I loved his dad, but also because he is thick with three seats. <laughs> nice, nice. Love that. By the way, uh, uh, Peter already mentioned this, so I, I should say it. Um, my my uh, hot take, I guess you could say, is the White Sox winning uh, the entire World Series. Uh, that's my hot take of the season. Uh, Justin, your hot take of the season before we do the Olympics. Uh, my hot take, I, I'm a, this is a two-parter. First of all, MVP for the National League will be Fernando Tatis. He will be the fifth player in MLB history to do the 40-40, 40 home runs, 40 stolen bases on the season. And the second half of that is DeGrom will not even win the Cy Young Award. He will be too injury-prone for the rest of the season to be able to earn it. They care too much about wins in the past few years when it's come to Cy Youngs. And DeGrom doesn't even have the quality starts at this point to match it up. He can't even throw 100 pitches. He shouldn't be a Cy Young. Yeah. Tough, tough blow. All right, uh, Kevin, your, your hot take, quick. I'll take the Astros. Uh, they do not even get to the ALCS. Nice, nice. Uh, Marshall, do you have one? No, I don't watch baseball. Okay. <laughs> all right, all right. And um, so I want Peter to, to end this show by um, – so the Olympics are obviously coming up. The uh, opening ceremony is on Friday. Um, I have no distaste for the Olympics, by the way. Peter, you don't know this. I originally had a job for the Olympics, but it was taken away from me due to COVID, but that's okay. We love the Olympics anyway. Um, so uh, tell us about uh, your diving situation and then your uh, favorite part of the Olympics. So I love Olympic sports because I was an athlete in high school, in college. It was a big part of my life. I was a diver. Um, I competed on the Cal Swim and Dive team. Um, in 2014, we actually won NCAAs. So um, I have a lot of respect for almost every sport that gets competed at in the Olympics. Like I love just watching people uh, work really hard at something and like just you know, watching it for two hours, trying to understand the little nuances, like the little things that make you so much better. And these people obsess about it. So I think it's so cool to see um, for diving. Some people I'm excited to watch. There's like a really young team this year. I kind of call it like the COVID team. Cause um, I, I think if you think about it, like a lot of athletes and the older ones, especially um, they trained peak for 2020. Right. And when they, you took that away, I think you see some of the younger athletes uh, emerge from the trials because they peak like a little later, right? Like they were training for 2020 and now you're getting their peak come now. Um, so that happened in diving for sure. There's a, a markedly younger team um, with the one exception, uh, Mikey Hickson. He's from Amherst, Massachusetts, um, old Wiley vet, um, love him. And then another person I'm excited for is Delaney Schnell. She has some of the best form I've ever seen as a diver. So love, love her. She's from Arizona. Um, and then I'm also excited for Simone Biles, obviously. Uh, she's going to be defending uh, her all-around, which is pretty unprecedented for gymnastics. She only, you usually only go once as a girl, um, so it's cool to see her back. Uh, she's doing the double Yurchenko vault, which is crazy, and then she does that absolutely nuts triple-double thing on the floor. Um, 
I love track too. Uh, so Gabby Thomas, she's on the 200 team, someone I'm looking at. She's super cool, super inspiring athlete. She went to Harvard. I think she's going to be a doctor too. Just like outstanding resume. Yeah. Um, and then the last thing is they put skateboarding in the Olympics, which I'm super excited about. Um, so that's going to be an event this year. I think it's totally deservedly an event. It's one of the hardest sports, technically, skillfully to compete at. So Nigel Houston, I want to see what he does at the Olympics. He's been a great skater for a while. Um, but yeah, like I said, overall, I just I just love the event. I hope that they get it off without COVID becoming a real problem. It seems like they have the protocol in place. Um, and I hope they can show the world that we can operate and still function while COVID's happening. You know, uh, they do have the restrictions. I know it's incredibly unpopular for the Japanese people right now um, to host the Olympics, uh, but I love the Olympics. I think it's going to be awesome. And I want them to show the world that we can function while COVID exists too, with the restrictions and everything. Totally. I love that. Now, one thing I will add, as you mentioned, like the, the young athletes, I've, I've been a pretty big advocate for when it comes to those more mainstream sports, so to speak, with basketball and such that I don't really like that the professional players are a part of it. I like back in the day, you know, I've read those books about the, the boys in the boat with the, you know, the rowers from the, the college kids and stuff like that, or obviously the miracle on ice with the hockey team. So I, I love that just young athletes, this is their time to shine. So it's a, it's a cool place for sure. Um, and Justin, do you have an opinion before we end the show? I feel like you might have an Olympics opinion. Uh, I'm hyped to see Sydney McLaughlin, the new world record holder for the 400-meter hurdles. I'm excited to see her do it. She set the record at the U.S. Olympic trials. Absolutely insane. That's awesome. There's also 3v3 basketball this year as a new Olympic sport. The U.S. is not in it, but it should still be a really kind of like cool kind of street ball thing to see. I know they were originally talking about for Brazil. I don't think they ever actually did it. Um, back then but I think it's going to be a really awesome time looking forward to it cool beans and last but not least Kevin and Marshall will uh you could each just say whatever you want Kevin your your parting word yeah well I, I don't know what to expect from this Olympics I uh I haven't kept track of the events and stuff in terms of just everything that's been added I I know certain sports like boxing used to be a big deal like I remember uh had some relatives talk to me old relatives talk to me about Muhammad Ali going to Olympic Village and getting the gold and stuff and kind of how that was a big deal and just, you know, the, the rise of, I guess you could say how the Olympics can be like the rise for a superstar, just internationally. Usain Bolt, Michael Jordan, whoever it is. Um, I, I'll probably end up watching the basketball, but I'll be into like beach volleyball, some of the stuff like that, just, you know, experiences on the quad playing, you know, in the sand uh, for that type of volleyball. So I have an appreciation for it, but, uh, I'll see. I mean, I I used to watch boxing more, so maybe I'd want to check it out maybe a little bit, but I don't know so much because I, I don't think you get, like, the pros obviously coming to do boxing like they used to. But um, I don't know, try to keep track and uh, I'll have to circle some more events, so I'll get back to you on that. Sounds good. And Marshall, finish it off. Your thoughts on life, whatever. Whatever. Um, yeah, basketball, I always love it. Um, going back to the 2012 team, I think that team is really cool. Um, kind of the rendition of the original dream team, just seeing all the talent, Kobe and LeBron finally playing on the same team. I don't think it's going to have the same feel. Obviously, we've had the two exhibition losses, and I think that there this might be the year where the U.S. actually doesn't win gold. I know that we're a huge favorite, as we always are. I mean, the talent is definitely stacked in our deck, but... Uh, if you pay attention, the, the international community has kind of shifted the rules a little bit um, in terms of you know, not, not so much purpose. It, it is purposeful, though, in the sense that the games are 40 minutes instead of 48 um, in terms of like the overall like rule changes and stuff. So we're not really like playing on our own home court. There, there is more randomness that can kind of happen, which I actually think is a good thing. Um, I, I think the rest of the world kind of does need to win a little bit more because Usually that does like spark a, you know, kind of a vengeance from the U.S., you know, the following four years as well. So kind of having that kind of competition. Um, the swimming, obviously, um, and then the track and field events. Uh, I, I threw some of the track and field events. I, I had a buddy who was um, really, really phenomenal um, distance thrower in terms of uh, discus. He was a, he was a West Point uh, record holder, and I know that he was uh, – shout out Jeff Kirk – trying for the olympics and uh he didn't quite get there but i know that he was gunning for that so 
I think it's just going to be cool kind of seeing like how much how much further can these guys actually throw than you know someone I know and you know even me like I mean the answer's probably double but it's sure. just kind of cool to see and then just picking up you know as Peter said picking up on random events that I didn't know anything about I think that's kind of like really the cool part of the Olympics totally totally all right well that'll do it for q hot takes my name is andrew white i've been alongside justin kevin andrew and peter and again peter just want to thank you for uh for for coming up thank you for having me this was a lot of fun yep not a problem all right guys sweet dreams take it easy